0: This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts, this is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, Coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the piney woods, it is Wednesday, the 20th day of December, 2023. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble, and then the podcast is available for download wherever you find find podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there and you are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Hey, how you doing this morning? It is Wednesday. Oh, slept good last night. Did not want to wake up this morning. Just just wanted to stay snuggled in bed. It's uh, about 30 degrees here in the Piney Woods outside, and, and it's it's winter. We haven't had any snow in a, in a few days. Um, actually, had some rain yesterday. It got up above freezing, and we had rain. It's just, it, it's actually typical weather for us. Um, it's always iffy if we're going to have a white Christmas or not. <laughs> now, there are places very close to me that get a lot of snow every year. Um, but here uh, at Squirrel Manor, it has never been... A huge snow area. Now, just west of us, as you climb up towards Lookout Pass, they get a lot of snow because the the clouds come over the mountain and dump right there. Of course, there's a ski area right on top of at the pass. Um, straddles Montana and Idaho. At, uh in the uh, in the lodge, there's a clock on one end of the lodge that's Idaho time, Pacific time, and there's a clock on the other end of the lodge that's Montana time. <laughs> because um, it is right on the state line. But that is, uh, they get a lot of snow. We don't here at the bottom of the valley. We're, we're, we're close to the lowest part of the valley. Um, you've got the St. Regis River. You know, St. Regis is actually the, the, the low point along this line between uh, Lookout Pass and Missoula along I-90. And we're a little bit east of St. Regis. But the Clark Fork River is flowing downhill from Missoula, and the St. Regis River is flowing downhill from the pass. And uh, it meets the Clark Fork, and then the Clark Fork continues to flow, but it turns northeast and runs up um, where it intersects with the Yellowstone River and then continues down through Plains and Thompson Falls, to um, Ponderay, Idaho. Um, so, you know, we're 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 at the bottom of a of a trough, and so it, it's it's relatively warm here, and I say relatively. You know, you just have to go a little ways north, south, east, or west, and you're going to run into much more severe weather than we get here at the Piney Woods, which is actually something I'm thankful for. <laughs> I, I don't like shoveling snow which thankfully we haven't had to do yet this. Um, but that rain that came down here last night that was snow up in the hills so we'll take it uh, I got my uh, youth group Christmas party tonight looking forward to that I am not sure I think we're I think we're decorating Christmas cookies I think that was the activity that was decided upon so we're going to be making big Christmas sugar cookies bummer huh (laughs) so that's the evening tonight looking forward to that um uh, so let's see is there anything else going on i can't think of anything so what do we got today we have scripture readings we have our prayers from the book of common prayer we have a reading from john macarthur's daily readings from the life of christ and then our study bible level bible study of deuteronomy continues And we are in Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 23. We're just going to do those few verses there to finish up chapter 21. And then we can start chapter 22 next Tuesday on Boxing Day. Always an interesting... That was a holiday I never understood until college when I finally realized what Boxing Day was all about. We'll talk about that next week. All right. Let us begin with... The Prayer of Confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Our scripture readings today are Genesis 13 and Psalm 13. So I need to navigate. I really should get this done before the program starts. <laughs> Have everything ready to go. Mm. I am drinking Montana Coffee Trader's Trailblazer Blend this morning. And this will be my coffee through the holidays because I just ordered a, uh, just opened a five-pound bag. So I will be going through that. I've got. I've got actually quite a few bags of coffee out on the shelf right now. I uh, ran out of coffee about a week ago, and, and so I ordered some Herb's House, I ordered some Montana Coffee Traders, and I picked up some uh, San Francisco Bay French Roast at Costco. So I've got I've got coffee. I will be a caffeinated squirrel. Okay, Genesis chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. There Abram called upon the name of Yahweh. Now Lot, who was going with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. And the land could not sustain them while living together, for their possessions were so abundant that they were not able to live together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were living then in the land. So Abram said to Lot, "Please let there be no strife between me and you, and between you and me, nor between my her- my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers." Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Then Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before Yahweh destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of Yahweh, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived in the cities of the valley, and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil and sinners, exceedingly so against Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see I will give to you and to your seed forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your seed can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and And came and lived by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to Yahweh. Psalm 13 For the choir director, a psalm of David. How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Look and answer me, O Yahweh, my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have overcome him, and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh, because he has dealt bountifully with me. And now our reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. Jesus and Fasting is the title of today's devotion. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Matthew 6.16 The Greek word for fast literally means not to eat, to abstain from food. But by the time of Christ, fasting had been perverted and twisted beyond what was scriptural and sincere. Fasting had become a ritual to gain merit with God and attention before men. It was largely a hypocritical religious show. Many Pharisees fasted twice a week, Luke 18 to 1812, usually on the second and fifth days of the week. They picked these days supposedly because on them, Moses received the tablets of the law from God on Mount Sinai. But they also happened to be the two major Jewish market days when cities and towns were crowded with farmers, merchants, and shoppers, where public fasting would have the largest audience. Those wanting to call attention to their fasting would put on a gloomy face and neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. They would wear old clothes, sometimes purposely torn and soiled, mess up their hair, cover themselves with dirt and ashes, and even use makeup to look pale and sickly. But this kind of fasting is a sham and mockery. Those whom Jesus condemned for fasting in order to be seen by men were pretentiously self-righteous. God was a little concern in their motives or their thinking, and so he had no part in their reward. The reward they wanted was recognition by men, and that's what they got. Ask yourself, are you sometimes guilty of feeling superior to others by the faithful way you observe various spiritual disciplines and religious expectations. What do these prideful feelings and comparisons take away from the purity of your times with God? How do they complicate your worship? Doing your, doing your good works to be seen by men is the only reward you get in that situation. The self-righteous and the, the, uh, the prideful. I like what he said there about, you know, God mattered little to their thinking. They weren't thinking about God at all. They were thinking about themselves and how people viewed them. And that's a failing we all have, isn't it? You know, we we want to be seen by people and, and uh, applauded. But uh, that is not the way. All right. It is time for our... Study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. Let me open my Bible here to Deuteronomy 21. I need to slide my keyboard so you'll hear some sliding noises as I make room for my Bible. Another thing I should have done before beginning the broadcast this morning. But hey, this is professional podcasting at its finest, folks. I'm paid nothing and that's all you should expect. All right, so we've got two clauses again here. We've got 18 through 21, and then we've got 22 and 23. So this is going to finish up chapter 21. So verses 18 through 21. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they discipline him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of gateway of his hometown. Then they shall say to the elders of his city, the son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not listen to our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men of this city shall stone him and he will die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel will hear of it and fear. A lot of us, we read something like that and we think, man, that is harsh. That is harsh. Now, first off, we need to understand this is not the normal disobedience of a of a child um, that those you know rebellious preteen and teenage years when a a child is trying to express his independence from his parents, trying to find his way into adulthood. That is not what's being discussed here. What is being discussed here is an outright and overt pattern of sin and rebellion. This is. A child that has permanently, vocally, um, undeniably rejected the teaching of his parents, the discipline of his parents, and and ultimately has rejected the worship of Yahweh. This is someone who has rejected everything their parents stand for, and is this is assuming the parents are godly. This is assuming the parents raised the child to worship God and love him. So, you know, there's there's a lot of assumptions here. This is a, a long-term pattern of rebellion who no sign of contrition or repentance in this child at all. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. I didn't get to the cough button in time. And so this person is to be brought to the elders of the city at the gate of the hometown. Again, this is where the, the city elders would sit in judgment. This was the an understanding that judgment, you know, ruling, not just deciding cases. So these were the leaders of the city, the government of the city, and the parents were to bring this rebellious son in front of the elders of the city and essentially declare, you know, their failure as parents. Um, now it's not necessarily their failure, but the failure of the child to to become the adult they would have wished him to be. So it is harsh. It is harsh. But look at the look at the thing they say. This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not wis- listen to our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. This is the 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 child that has gone bad that has abandoned social norms that has embraced a sinfully hedonistic lifestyle seeking simply their own pleasure and gain these are you know there's there's more than just this is the, the ne'er do well who adds nothing to society, does nothing but take to satisfy his own lusts and desires. These are extreme cases we're talking about here. As I said, this is not the the you know sixteen or seventeen year old high school kid who, you know, you caught drinking. This is a this is a severe, ongoing long term problem pattern of sin and rebellion. It says, And then all the men of the city shall stone him, and he will die. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel will hear of it in fear. We've seen that phrase before in dealing with the death penalty, talking about purging the evil from your midst. We're going to get rid of these, this rebellious young man before he can lead others astray, and we're going to... Make sure the other kids know about it so that they will know they ought not go down that path. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. So once again, we see there is a um, deterrent effect in enforcing the law. In, in modern parlance, this is often called the broken window effect. This was the uh, basis for Rudolph Giuliani's cleaning up of New York. New York now is becoming a crime-riddled cesspit after a succession of liberal mayors who were soft on crime, culminating now in a very, very soft on crime district attorney and all that. And if you go back to when I was a teenager, in the 80s, New York was known to be a crime-infested cesspit. It was not a place you wanted to go. I remember watching the original TV show, The Equalizer, with Edward Woodward. Um, great show. I understand there's a revival of it on now. I've never seen it. But the, uh, the, the Equalizer show in the 80s um, took place in New York. And I remember the, the title sequence, the opening title of the show every week, just showed the, the fearfulness of the people living in New York that you didn't want to go into a subway station at night. You didn't want, and the, the subway cars were covered with graffiti and it was just, you know, it was dirty and it was, uh, it was a scary place. But then Mayor Giuliani came in and he made a concerted effort to enforce the small laws to go after the petty criminals by, you know, they they, they started punishing people, spray-painting graffiti on subway cars. They started enforcing those laws. They started cleaning up the subway cars. They cleaned up the subway stations. They enforced all these normal, everyday, you know, laws. Don't break windows. Don't, you know. So they went after these petty criminals. You know what happened? The major crimes dropped, because they were going after them too, but... The thing that the people realized, okay, these guys are taking the law seriously. If they're going after a guy for spray paint in a subway car, what are they going to do for me if I do a major crime? And that threat of punishment had a deterrent effect on crime in the city. So punishing crime has an effect of making society better. And punishing crime is the purpose for which God instituted Government now, is this simply somebody who's eating too much and getting drunk? I think this goes way beyond that. I, I think we are dealing in the realm of criminal enterprise, and we're dealing in the realm of a rejection of the worship of Yahweh. But like I said, we only got three verses here, and and it's a it's a uh, it's a it's a time of. Um, you know, there's a lot left unsaid here, but it's it's important that you know this. This this we see here a rejection of this young man and his behavior, not just by his parents, but by all the men of the city, to the point where they put him to death, so that they don't have to deal with him. Um, there have been cases, and 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 I understand. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not up on Montana law, but Montana used to have a law and maybe it still does that it was a valid defense for a charge of murder to posit that the person killed needed killing. And this goes back to the vigilante days in Montana. Um, there's was a, a famous case that took place in, uh, What's, what's now the state capital of Helena, uh, right outside the state capital, a little gold mining town called Bannock. And uh, this was... Um, the the sheriff of Bannock was a man by the name of Henry Plummer. Well, Henry Plummer also happened to be the sheriff. Or he was the sheriff. He also happened to be the leader of the the local bandits. And the, the Plummer gang um was robbing gold shipments and so and but of course he being the sheriff was in charge of security for the gold shipments so he was you know he knew which shipments to rob right um and uh so this was the you know he would say hey there's a shipment of gold going out on Tuesday that would be the wagon train that got hit or the stagecoach that got hit on, on Monday, when there wasn't any gold on it, they wouldn't bother. On Wednesday, when there wasn't any gold on it, they wouldn't bother. But every time they were shipping gold out of the city, some there was a robbery. And uh, the highwaymen would, would hit, the, hit the shipment. And nobody was doing anything about it because, of course, the sheriff was the leader of the gang. Now, the, the, it wasn't. You know, that wasn't common knowledge. Not everybody knew it was the sheriff, but it turned out that's what had happened. So finally, you had a group of vigilantes organized to go after these these robbers. And they ended up stringing up a bunch of people, including Henry Palmer, I believe. And, uh, you know, so the defense was, because these were not official law enforcement persons. These were just normal everyday people who had had too much. And because of that history, the fact that, you know, somebody was a bad man and needed killing was considered a valid defense for murder, for getting somebody, you know, he just needed killing. He was a bad person who was doing bad things in the town, even though he may not have been guilty of, you know, like murder or something that was something that was considered actually a death penalty crime. The fact that he was such a bad person, he just needed killing. And so that's, in a way, kind of, that's what I see happening here. This is a bad kid. And this is somebody who needs killing to protect the rest of the community. And so that's what we see here. And you purge the evil from your midst. This is an evil person. We're going to get rid of him. And it has a deterrent effect on others who might wish to go down that road. And he will die, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel will hear of it and fear. And that's the fear of being caught and punished for being a bad man. But then we have another clause here, verses 22 and 23. And this is, let me just read the passage. And if a man has committed a sin, the judgment of which is death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, His corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day, because cursed of God is he who is hanged, so that you do not make unclean your land, which Yahweh your God gives you as an inheritance. So this is not hanging somebody as a method of execution. That was not the method of execution. We've seen the method of execution was stoning, you know. The whole community would take part in putting to death the evildoer by throwing stones at them. So this was, but after someone had been stoned, this is displaying the body. It's a warning. It's a, you know, look at what happens to you if you don't toe the line sort of thing. And so the body would be hung as a warning. They would hang it for the rest of the day on a pole um, you know, we saw this again in the old West and we, we've seen the old daguerreotype photographs from the 1800s of the coffin leaning against the wall with the body of the outlaw in it, that, that they were put on display to, to, as a, as a warning, uh, you know, don't be, don't be an outlaw here. Um, and so that, that was what this was. It was hanging the body up to, to, uh, to display it as a a, a warning and as a, a uh, testimony that, that, that this crime has been punished. But God says don't don't leave him hanging on the on a tree overnight. Take him down. So the body was not to be left on the pole overnight. It had to be buried by sunset. Um, and this is you know this is because cursed of God is he who is hanged. And we know that you know In Galatians 3.13, Paul quotes this text in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ about, you know, he took the curse of our sin upon himself on the cross because cursed of God is he who hangs on a tree. Um, So this, this law, on the one hand, doesn't have hanging as a method of execution. But at the same time, you know, the significance of this is, is certainly there messianically and in regards to the gospel. All right. Next week we will pick up in Deuteronomy 22. Put the Bible away. And let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Now for the third Sunday in Advent. O Lord Jesus Christ, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Grant that the ministers and stewards of your mysteries may likewise make ready your way, by turning the hearts of the disobedient toward the wisdom of the just, that at your second coming to judge the world we may be found a people acceptable in your sight. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. For grace we pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that, guided by your Spirit, we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For the unrepentant, merciful God, you desire not the death of the sinner, desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home, and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday. I hope you have a great day. I'm looking forward to the party tonight. Um, pray, pray that that goes well. Uh, uh, looking forward to hanging out with the youth group once again. Um, gosh, what else is going on? It's Wednesday. <laughs> it's the Wednesday before Christmas. Uh, hope you have your shopping done. Um, hope you're having a wonderful time. When is you know Christmas break? I think uh, I'm not sure if they go to church, uh, school on Friday or not. I'm sure a lot of school districts will be taking Friday off. Some won't. <laughs> Figuring they're going to get the full two weeks. You know, they're going to have, uh, probably come back on the second. So they'll have all of the week between Christmas and New Year's off. And, uh, they might not come back until the week after the New Year's. I'm not sure. Um, and I'm sure, and I know every school district is different. How they, they worked out their calendar, um, With Christmas being on a Monday, you know, I'm not sure, you're not going to get, we always used to seem to get like two weeks at Christmas, you know, I'm looking back, but, so it always seemed like a long time. It it seemed like you were away from school for a long time during Christmas, so I'm thinking it might be two weeks. So I'm not sure when Christmas break starts for the kids and when it ends. Um, I know the university is is, uh, between sessions. They, they had finals week last week and all of that. All right, folks, have a great day. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow. Another episode of Sprochatter. Take care. God bless.